so welcome in this Wednesday evening study on the book of James. I love what we are getting into. Now, let me have a word of prayer with you as we start. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be able to get into your word, to study the book of James. Lord, let it be that rhema word. Let it be that revelation knowledge. Let it bring that opportunity where eternity invades the present. I love you, Lord. We welcome your presence. Let your word speak into the hearts as we are deployed into the homes of this, of this community. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, the emphasis on this portion of the study is the dangers of deceiving ourselves. Now, James 1.22 speaks to us about deceiving your own selves. Then if you look a couple verses further, it says deceiving your own hearts. Now, it's one thing when Satan deceives us, but when we deceive ourselves, that's another completely different story. Why is that? Because John 17, 17 tells us that the word, God's word, is truth. And when I read that truth, I cannot allow myself to be deceive myself because then I become a, well, hypocritical. In this portion of the study of James, we'll see three different responsibilities towards God's Word. Last week, Pastor James spoke about receiving that Word. You see, when we receive that Word into our lives, our hearts, our minds become that fertile ground where God's Spirit can, can literally water it and allow it to begin to take root and bring forth a harvest. But let me say something here as we get started. I'm about to get personal with you this evening. Not that I don't in other times. But tonight I'm going to give you a warning because this study has eternal consequences. It's not enough that we just hear the Word of God. We must do it as well. You see, many Christians, they mistake the idea of hearing God's Word or or studying God's word uh, will make them grow and be a blessing to God. And all that is important. But listen to me, is, is that your Bible could be all marked up. This is my, my mother's Bible, and it is, it's a mess. But I know that is, it was important to her because she did more than just read the word. She lived it because in there, she has a workers' training course certificate. Her name, Marie Ricose, is signed because it was more than just hearing, more than reading, more than studying, but she wanted to be a doer, a worker of that word. But I, I tell you something, that in this chapter, James compares the word to the seed. Now, what we're going to get into is that this section He's comparing it to a mirror. I have a mirror that is here, and I kind of look at it and see if I'm nice and trim. And Well, sometimes, though, a mirror reflects what it sees. And we may not like what it sees, but that's what it is. And God's Word is a mirror to reflect who we are within that Word. So let's take a look at James. The first chapter, verses 23 through 25. 
And I'll call this section in this study is examination. We look at the mirror to examine ourselves. Because, you see, it really doesn't lie. I come to that mirror, and I want to see exactly what I look like. When I get into the Word of God, I want that Word of God to reflect upon me to who I actually am. And in the book of James, it mentions several mistakes and how we look into that word, how we read that word. The very first one is that we merely glance at ourselves in the reflection of that word. What we do is that we get into a routine of reading it. We, we, we do what we're supposed to do and, and having our devotions. But in actuality, it is only a schedule. That word or, you know, the Bible may be marked up, but it's not marking us. The second thing is that we get a mistake to forget what, well, what we saw in that word or only see what we want to see. I, I find it interesting is that when we listen to the news broadcast, we only hear what we want to hear. We don't always hear what actually is being said. Well, or in a song, we only hear what we want to hear in that song, but not the full song. We got to hear that whole word. We got to see exactly what it's saying to us because it can speak to us. Now, I understand that in July 8th, 1741, that there was a man named Jonathan Edwards, and he preached a sermon which is known as one of the famous. Um, sermons in all America. And the title of that message was Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And I'm telling you, people heard what he was saying because as they were sitting in their pews, they were holding on the back of that pew and they felt the ground opening up and they were falling into hell. They were screaming out to that pastor. And I want you to know, it's not that he was this dynamic preacher. He was an elderly man. He was going blind. And what he was doing in a monotone voice, he was just reading that word, covering his face and presenting the gospel. But it was the gospel. It was the word of God in which he was declaring. And sometimes people think, oh, that's just getting too emotional. But I want you to know, that the heroes of our faith, they were quite emotional at times. When we read of Isaiah in Isaiah 6, 5, where he says, Woe is me, for I am undone. Or Peter cried out in Luke 5, 8, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Get away from me. You don't want to be around me. Now, here's Job, and we know this man, what all that he went through, but in Job, in the latter part of Job, Job 42, verse 6, he says, I adhor myself and repent in the dust and the ashes. You see, we can't be careless in seeing ourselves in that word of God. Now, here's where the biggest mistake comes is that we could fail to obey what that Word of God told us to do. We can deceive ourselves by thinking that hearing that Word 
and, and doing that work is the very same thing, but it is not. We can't deceive ourselves by thinking even reading it or, or talking it is the same thing. Now, I want to speak into your hearts because as I said in the beginning of this study is that eternity is at stake. We can have great discussions and studies on the areas of, of discipleship and of, of evangelism and think that we are making a great progress. And those are great studies. In fact, your pastoral staff is doing that right now. We, we, are, we are about to launch an evangelistic and, and a discipleship program upon this church that, that is like nothing that we have ever experienced in the 95 years of its history. And believe me, the history of this church is rich. But God has, has spoken in my heart something that is so vitally important. And this pandemic may have shut the doors for in-person worship, but it has not shut the doors of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we are literally going to be deploring we, um, and you folks out into, into the world to speak that word of God into the lives of people. Now, so don't, we can't substitute just talking as a service. And that even goes along with us. Well, I attend a Holy Spirit-filled church. I say, wonderful. But that's good, but it can't be a substitute of doing that word of God. James 1.25 says this, the man shall be blessed in his doing. And actually tells us in him we live and move and have our being. It is us living that word. Now let me get into Exodus 38, verse 8. And I'm going to call this um, restoration. And, and in this, they, let me read this. They made a, a bronze basin and the bronze stand from the mirrors of the women who served at the entrance of the tent of meetings. Here, as they built that tabernacle, Moses took this metal-looking glass from the women that it would reflect whoever used it in the cleansing of their washing of their hands and their feet. That is, is a symbol of it's reflecting. It's a cleansing work. The basin was filled with water, and the priests washed their hands and their feet every time before they entered in to that holy place. And did you know that water is, and washing is a picture of the word of God? It tells us in John 15, 3, Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken into, you know, unto you. The body, the, the, the church, the body of Christ is sanctified by the washing of the water by the Word. Let it cleanse us. And by cleansing us, it begins to make that change in our life. So it's, it's more than just examination. It's more than just that restoration, wanting to be changed, asking for that forgiveness of the sins. It is that transformation that is so vitally important. 
And 2 Corinthians verse 3, verse 18 says, And we all, and we all, who with unbowed faces um, contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed as we contemplate the beauty, the wonder, the awe, the glory of God, we are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory. That staggers me. That we are day by day growing ever-increasing glory. I have not arrived yet. But I am better today than I was yesterday. And I will be better tomorrow than I am today. Is that the ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. We all, we are being transformed. I'm telling you, being transformed is a process. What He does in our lives. Too many Christians confess their sins and and claim their forgiveness, but never grow spiritually because they don't take it to that next step of being transformed. It is living that life, doing that work, being obedient unto him. Paul illustrated this, this truth of Moses as the veil. When Moses came down from the mountain, he had a veil over his face because it was shining from the glory of God, and he was hiding it from the people. And when Jesus died, that vow in the temple was rent in two from top to bottom. The Old Testament prophet wore a vow to hide the glory of God. The New Testament believer has that unveiled face, and the glory gets greater and greater. Let me explain it this way in 2 Corinthians uh, 3.18. When a child of God looks into the Word of God, it is a glass, a mirror reflecting that he sees Christ within it. And when he sees that Christ within it, he has that desire to change that transforming work of the Holy Spirit. And that word change in the Greek gives us the English word that metamorphosis. And in that word metamorphosis, it is this ugly warm being formed coming into that cocoon. And over a period of time, the beauty of a butterfly comes forth. This word transfigured in Matthew 17, 2, talks about us having that radiant glow of Christ because it is more than just reading it. It is more than just the confession in my life. It is doing that word of God. Romans 12, 2 says, be ye transformed by the renewing of our minds. It is not just that understanding, but that renewing of my mind begins to speak into our lives is that we've got to be doers of the Word of God. It is a process. So I tell you this evening, take off the veil. Psalms 139 verses 23 and 24 says, Search me, O Lord, 
Oh God, search me, oh God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. I could scare some of you folks and see if there are any wicked ways in me and lead me to the way everlasting. It's not that he just wants me to be see my sin. Is that he wants me to recognize my failures and my shortcomings, but he wants to lead us into that way everlasting. It is leading us in that walk of that daily journey that he has for us. He, in John, 1 John 1, 8 says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Hmm. And the truth is not in us. See, as Pastor James spoke last week, the responsibility of receiving that word, I'm talking to you this evening about when we receive it and it takes root. When I examine, when I bring that, that, that work of, of grace within our lives, I must start living it out. You see, it's, it, it's like I could read all about learning how to swim, but not until we are placed in the water do we actually learn that. Because I have never read anywhere where, where someone read about it and they got thrown in the deep end and they swam. It's crazy because it really doesn't work that well. And I'm going to tell you something, church, is, is that your pastor here is a visionary by nature. I love the dream. If you ask me what things I dream about, about the church or, or about my marriage, I love being married to Arlene. This, this August, this month, on the 23rd, we will be, have been married 52 years. It has gone by like that. I have married my best friend, the person that I'd rather be with than anybody else on earth. So being closed in in this pandemic is no big deal to me because I am closed in with my best friend. And I love to talk about her. I could talk to her about her the rest of the evening and next Wednesday and Wednesday after that. But my, I love to talk about my family, about my children. And and I wouldn't hesitate in a split second if you asked me about this. And don't even get me started about what God is saying to me about this whole discipleship thing, what he wants us to do. Because I believe with all my heart is that we as a church, even with these doors being shut at this time, is that the gospel is going forth with a vision in which he is placed in the hearts of your pastors. Now, I want you to know, church, is that in these past four or five weeks, that as we have been shut down, is that this pastoral staff has not been taking a vacation. We have been working more hours than we normally have worked in a regular work week because it is always with us. It is here when we're here, when we are at home, it's with us at home. We're constantly thinking about this, and the Holy Spirit is speaking into our lives about where he's taking us because we're about to be deployed. Be deployed into 
out into this world. On the back of our sanctuary, well, the doors of the lobby, when you're exiting the church, there is a saying in front and that wall, top of the door, it says, you are now entering your mission field. I believe that. I believe that we are entering into our mission field when we began to speak this word out into the community and well, even around the world. I believe that God, his word, what it says, actually means what it says, and the possibilities are endless. But I got to do it. I can't sit back and allow myself to just think, well, I have read the word, I understand the word, but if I don't do it, it's not good. In fact, James 2, verse 26 says this, faith without works is dead. It's as dead as dead can get. Did you understand that? Is that faith without works is dead, is that there's no life. If that, if that believer thinks that they could have faith by just reading the word, or by showing up at a church, but not doing that work of the message of being obedient of the gospel of Christ, my friend, you are deceiving yourself. There's so much more that God has for us. And it's not that you have to be qualified. He qualifies the qualified. He'll call us into that place. He says, oh, the work I have begun in you, I will bring it to its completion. Do you hear that? The work he has begun, he'll bring it through. We just need to be obedient to that word. It is the evidence of things that we do not see in Hebrews 11.1. 1. Seize every opportunity. This week, the other day, I got a phone call from someone that it was a wrong number. And it was a young lady, I could tell by her voice. She goes, oh, I'm sorry, I, I, I called the wrong number. And then I said, oh, maybe you didn't. And there was a hesitancy in her voice. It says, you called a minister. And I don't think that is by chance. So let me ask you a question. Can I pray for something for you? And there was a moment hesitation. And then she says, are you serious? I said, absolutely. She told me about her sister, who is a heroin addict, who's living out in the streets. She was, she's so afraid that she's going to die out there. And then she told me about her other siblings, her brothers that are having issues with drugs. I told her all about the, the Teen Challenge program with the Assemblies of God and explained that to her. Then I said, could I pray for you in your family? And I prayed for them. When it was all over with, she says, wow, I feel different. <laughs> I'm telling you, church, there is nothing like doing the word of God and speaking that into people's lives. I'm excited because as Pastor James spoke last week about receiving it, 
I'm sharing with you the vital importance of practicing it. Next week, he's going to be sharing with us about sharing God's word out of James 1, verses 26 and 27. I am so excited about what God is doing. I'm excited about God revealing himself being bigger and greater than any chaos in this world around us. I'm excited for the, the dreams and the visions that he has given to us. I'm excited about the future of this church and what he has for us. But I promise you and guarantee you this, is that we're not going to just talk about it. We're going to be doers of the word, not just hearers. My friend, are you a doer of the word of God? Are you receiving it? Now I ask, are you practicing that word? And I'm telling you, he will go with you the whole journey. He'll give you the strength. And, and oh, by the way, um, you are, you're not going to be perfect at this. That's why there's that thing called grace. He understands that. And we are being conformed into his image. That is a daily process. I tell people, I want you to know that your pastor is perfect. And you go, what? I am perfectly imperfected. I will make mistakes. God will reflect those mistakes to me through his word. I will bring, ask for forgiveness, and that grace of God will be upon me. And then I would practice that word so that it doesn't happen again. And if it does, I ask for forgiveness and I practice that word. And as I practice that word, I begin to perfect that word. It is a, well, the, the race is not the starting line. It is the journey to the finish line. And doing that word is a journey, and let's do it together.